Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. This Saturday night, make sure that you walk on over to Walters for UFC 275 as Glover Teixeira will defend his UFC light heavyweight championship for the first time. Walters is also the best spot in Navy Yard to watch the NBA Finals. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Left-hander Aaron Ashby to go to work, his first pitch. Franco launches one to left field, forget about it. This one is going, going, and long gone. As Bell tripled last time up, looking for his second hit. The 2-2. Swinging a high drive right field deep. Back on this one, Renfro looking up at the wall, and there it goes. A three-run home run for Josh Bell. Here's Ruiz, and Kbert hits a high drive to dead center field. Back Taylor to the warning track. At the wall, he looks up, and it's gone! It just tucks in over the big wall in right center over the Geico sign. And the Nationals on consecutive pitches go deep. They lead 10-3. And Cruz swings, and it's one high in the air to deep right center field. This is way back. Going, 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 goodbye! Bang! Zoom goes Nelson Cruz the opposite way to right center field. Nelson Cruz has his fourth hit in five times up tonight. It's the Nationals 11 and the Brewers 5. And welcome to Nats Chat for Saturday, June 11, 2022. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of Nats Chat. And it has happened again. The Nats having an offensive outburst in a win this season. Uh, The Nats this season do not win often. We know that. But when the Nats do win this season, the Nats tend to score a lot of runs. And on Friday night, the Nats scored a lot of runs. An 11-5 win over the National League Central leading Milwaukee Brewers at Nationals Park in Game 1 of a three-game series. In Game 1 of an 11-game homestand, Uh, the Nats this season now are 22-38. and Uh, That is the Second worst record in the National League. But how about this? The Nats have scored at least seven runs in 14 of the team's 22 wins. I mean, that's kind of bizarre, right? We know that the Nats offensively this season are not very good, don't hit for a lot of power. But when the Nats do win, the Nats tend to score runs. We've discussed this, and this happened again on Friday night with this 11-run outburst in a six-run win 
over the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers, by the way, are struggling here. Uh, they now have lost seven consecutive games. Ahead on this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast, a Cade Cavalli update. Uh, he did pitch on Friday night. Uh, also, we at the end of the show have a Nats Chat, where are they now? Former Nats closer Matt Caps. There's a name for the past. Uh, he has sent us a voice memo that we want to play for you. So stay tuned for that. But what a performance by the Nats offense on Friday night. You know, it wasn't just the 11 runs, 19 hits, a staggering 19 hits. If you watched the game, if you were perhaps at the game, like every 30 seconds, it felt like the Nats were generating a hit. Uh, the Nats hit four homers on Friday night. The Nats had a triple on Friday night and by Josh Bell. And it wasn't just a Josh Bell triple. It was a Josh Bell stand-up triple. Yeah, it was that kind of night at the ballpark. And the Nats had 14 singles, worked two walks, went 6 of 16 with runners in scoring position. Everyone got in on the act. Uh, Each of the Nats' nine players in the team's starting lineup had a hit. Nobody, though, had more hits than Nelson Cruz. Ashby sets, checks Thomas off second to pitch. Swing and a line drive into right center field. That's going to fall in for a hit. Thomas around third coming home. The throw by Renfro is one up and too late. It's a two-out RBI single in the right center field for Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, as you may recall, for the Nats' last game was a late scratch due to back tightness. Uh, he did not play in the Nats' 7-4 loss at the Miami Marlins on Thursday night. Well, as has been the case now multiple times this season, Nelson Cruz was a late scratch slash missed a game, but then was back playing like the next game. He has had a few ailments this season. You know, this is his age 41 season, but he has never missed more than like a game or two at a time. I'm going to try to think off the top of my head. I don't think he's missed. I think it may be that he's only missed like one game at a time this season. He certainly hasn't missed much time this season. Uh, So I give him credit for that. You know, Nelson Cruz is known for being big into weightlifting and training and taking care of his body. And so I don't think that that's a coincidence here that in this age 41 season, yeah, he's got some ailments. You're going to have him, you know, playing this late in your career, but he doesn't miss time when he's dealing with whatever it is that he's dealing. And so he comes back here on Friday night off the one game absence, and he has himself a four hit night. Nelson Cruz as an ad starting DH and number four batter, four for five with a solo homer, two RBI singles, and another single. And tell me if you notice a trend with these four Nelson Cruz hits on Friday night. Cruz in an at's one run first, a two out opposite field RBI single to right center field on an 0-2 pitch for a one nothing Nats lead. Cruz in the Nats two run third, a one out opposite field RBI infield single on an 0-2 pitch for a 3-2 Nats lead. Cruz in the Nats, 4-1-6, a one-out opposite field single to right center field on a 1-2 pitch. And Cruz in the Nats, one-run eighth, a leadoff opposite field home run to right center field for an 11-5 Nats lead. The home run going a projected 417 feet per stat cast. As you probably could tell, each of Nelson Cruz's four hits on Friday night was an opposite field hit. And as you probably know by now, this is what Nelson Cruz is doing so well this season. The overall numbers for Nelson Cruz this season aren't great, although don't look now, they have gotten a lot better. But one thing that he has been masterful at, especially lately, is going the opposite way. He's still not hitting for enough power, uh, even though he did hit the home run on Friday night. But 
You talk about a professional hitter, and that's kind of an overused phrase in baseball, I'll grant you. But man, it feels like, and I'm not overstating this when I say this, it feels like, I don't know, 80% of Nelson Cruz's hits this season have been opposite field hits. It's amazing to me how often he's doing this. And he had, like I said, four hits on Friday night, each one an opposite field hit. Also interesting that he had two hits on 0-2 pitches, another hit on a 1-2 pitch. And how about now the uh, slash line for Nelson Cruz on the season? So he was horrendous to begin this season, as we all know. Well, his batting average is up to 261. You know, it's not terrible. His on-base percentage is up to 342. That's pretty good. Now, his slugging percentage is a mere 387. That's got to get better. But Nelson Cruz is digging himself out of the massive hole that he dug himself into with his wretched start to the season. And of course, with Nelson Cruz, as I have preached, as I know many of you have thought, it's all about August 2nd. It's all about that MLB trade deadline and what the Nats can get for Nelson Cruz. And is he healthy? And is he in a good place? Well, right now, he is certainly trending toward being in a very good place as this season goes on. We'll see. You know, we're still, what, a month and a half away from the trade deadline. But Nelson Cruz is fixing his season. Got to get the power going. That's true. But good to see the home run on Friday night. You know, that was not some cheapo home run. Like I said, 417 feet. And uh, man, it's just one opposite field hit after another these days for Nelson Cruz. So Nelson Cruz on Friday night had four hits. Two other Nats on Friday night each had three hits. K. Barrett Ruiz and Lane Thomas. K. Barrett, of course, was an ad starting catcher. He was the number six batter. Three for five with a solo homer and two singles. Uh, Ruiz in the bottom of the second, a leadoff infield single on an 0-2 pitch. This was an interesting play. Now the pitch swung on, hit hard on the ground, diving stop by the first baseman, Telez, and the pitcher didn't get there, and Ruiz legs out an infield hit. The hit came on a well-hit one-hop grounder that was impressively fielded by the Brewers' first baseman, the Brewers' burly first baseman, Rowdy Telez. If there is another player in MLB who is more fitting of his team in terms of how the player looks, I don't know who that is. Rowdy Telez looks like a Milwaukee Brewer, okay? If you know what he looks like, he looks like a Milwaukee Brewer. But he made a really good play on this play, a diving backhanded catch. But the Brewers' starting pitcher, Aaron Ashby, like fell asleep. And he was ultra slow to cover first base. He didn't even start moving toward first base until well late into the play. And so K-Bear Ruiz uh, ended up beating the burly Rowdy Telez in a race to first base. You know, it, it wasn't exactly two speedsters going at it. Yeah, it wasn't Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson in the Olympics going at it there in terms of a catcher in K-Bear Ruiz and the burly Rowdy Telez. But K-Bear beat out Rowdy to the bag for the hit. Then K-Bear Ruiz in the Nats 4-1-6, a one-out first pitch solo homer to center field for a 10-3 Nats lead. Uh, the homer going a projected 402 feet for StatCast. Cabot Ruiz in the bottom of the eighth, a one-out single to center field on a 1-2 pitch. And we also had uh, some more defensive success for Cabot Ruiz on Friday night. Now, I want to couch that by saying the Brewers did rack up some stolen bases in this game, but I think a decent amount of that if not a majority of that, was on the Nats pitchers as opposed to Cabot Ruiz. But Cabot Ruiz in the top of the third picked off Rowdy Telez at first base for the third out. Pitch, way too high, snap throw to first, and they've got him. Bell tags him out. The Nationals do it again. You know, that back pick play is becoming something that Cabot Ruiz can do quite well, as we are seeing. And he did it again 
on Friday night, and uh, and he did it to poor Rowdy Telez. Kate Ruiz is uh, going to give Rowdy Telez nightmares this weekend, I feel like, off what happened on Friday night. So good game for Kate Ruiz. Another good game for Lane Thomas. He, on Friday night, was an ad starting left fielder and number one batter, as uh, Lane Thomas was the Nats' leadoff batter in this game. Interesting, we had Cesar Hernandez as the Nats' number two batter. Remember, Cesar got the day off with A. Ray Adrianza uh, starting for him in the previous game. And remember, A. Ray was the number two batter for the Nats in that game. But on Friday night, instead of Cesar Hernandez being reinstated as the Nats' leadoff batter, we had Lane Thomas as the Nats' leadoff batter and as a starting left fielder. So interesting to see that. And uh, Lane Thomas obliged with what he did, three for five with three singles. Uh, he and Nats, one run first, had a leadoff infield single up the middle on an 0-2 pitch. Thomas and the Nats, two run third, an opposite field single to right center field on a 1-2 pitch on a hit and run. And this was interesting, a hit and run on which Victor Robles only advanced to second base. Victor Robles, if you watch the play, he loses track of where the baseball is. He he doesn't see where the baseball goes, and so he ends up only going to second base when he should have easily been at third base. But still, you know, that ended up being a two-run inning for the Nats. That was a two-run third. And then Lane Thomas in the Nats, two-run fourth, a two-out infield single on a weak chopper toward third base on a one-two pitch. It felt like the Nats on Friday night had a million hits on 0-2 pitches and 1-2 pitches. It was like one after another for the Nats in this game. So a three-hit night for Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas right now is the leading candidate for the Kyle Schwarber Memorial Best Nats Player in the Month of June Award, okay? Uh, If you remember, Kyle Schwarber got white hot last June. He's actually hot again this June if you're tracking how Kyle Schwarber is doing. Uh, you know, look, Lane Thomas isn't homering like Kyle Schwarber was homering last June. Although, remember, Lane did have the three home run game now two Friday nights ago. But here is your Lane Thomas slash line for this month of June now. You ready for this? Batting average of 438, on base percentage of 471, slugging percentage of 813. Now, that's aided, of course, by the three homer game. But still, I mean, the Lane Thomas who we are seeing right now is the Lane Thomas who we saw for so much of his time with the Nats last season. Three Nats on Friday night each had two hits, Josh Bell, Luis Garcia, and Cesar Hernandez. Uh, Bell in this game was the Nats starting first baseman and number five batter, two for five with a three-run homer and that aforementioned stand-up triple. But Bell coming through with the two extra base hits, one run Nats fifth, Josh Bell a leadoff opposite field stand-up triple to right field. Now, as is the case with a lot of triples, this triple was made in part because a defensive player made an attempt at a diving catch, failed, and then the ball went like all the way to the wall. So in this instance, the Brewers right fielder Hunter Renfro failed in an attempt at a diving catch. Two of the line, Renfro coming hard. He dives, can't get it. It's by him rolling into the right field corner. Bell on his way to second, makes the turn. He's heading for third, and he's in standing with his first triple of the year. And then Josh Bell in an Nats four-run sixth, a one-out three-run homer to right field for a 9-3 Nats lead, despite having been down to the count at one point. One-two, the home run going a projected 408 feet for StatCast. Uh, Josh Bell this season is batting 307 with a 378 on base percentage. That is an outstanding on base percentage, 378. His power numbers have come down. His slugging percentage is just 445. Remember, he went a while without an extra base hit, but gets the big three run home run on Friday night. 
And, uh, you know, overall, Josh Bell is having a good season. He's another guy to be thinking about in terms of a trade ship. If you're not going to extend him. Now, if the Nats want to extend him, I think there is an argument for that. You know, I don't know how open he is to that. And the risk here would be if you don't extend him in season, well, then what? You're going to say, well, we're not going to trade him because we're going to resign him this offseason. Well, you're taking a chance if you do that. But whatever the Nats decide to do, Josh Bell is having overall a good season. Want to see the power tick up again. But man, I mean, a 378 on base percentage is terrific. Uh, Luis Garcia on Friday night had two hits. He has the Nats uh, starting shortstop at number eight batter, two for five with an RBI single and another single, the RBI single coming in Nats. One run fifth, a two-out first pitch RBI single to right field for a 6-3 Nats lead. Cesar Hernandez on uh, Friday night as an ad starting second baseman. And like I said, number two batter as opposed to number one batter, two for five with a couple of singles. And then rounding out the Nats hit parade on Friday night, uh, Juan Soto, starting right fielder, number three batter, one for four, RBI single, a walk, and an RBI force out. Soto had another one of these RBI singles on which, you know, you're like, all right, this inning needs to end up being productive because the Nats aren't producing as they should with runners on base. Sure enough, Juan Soto saved the day in a two-run fourth, a two-out opposite field RBI single to left field on an 0-2 pitch, no less, for a 5-3 Nats lead. We're starting to see Juan Soto go the opposite way a good bit here, and we know that traditionally that's an indication that he's about to heat up, although I feel like we've been saying Juan Soto, maybe he's heating up. Will Juan Soto be heating up for a while here? But uh, he came through with that big RBI single in the two-run fourth on Friday night. And Michael Franco had a home run on Friday night. Only went one for five as an ad starting third baseman had number seven batter. But Franco in an ad's two-run fourth, a first pitch leadoff homer to left field for a 4-3 Nats lead, a projected 428 feet per stat cast was the distance of that home run, and uh, that homer gave Michael Franco a 10-game hitting streak. You know, I was thinking about this. If the Nats can somehow trade Michael Franco and get something for him, and if the Nats can do the same with Carl Edwards Jr., you would have the Nats, you would have Mike Rizzo having turned two guys on minor league contracts into trade pieces this season. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, it hasn't been a banner last few years for Mike Rizzo with the collapse of the farm system, but Mike Rizzo has had this Midas touch with signing older players. We've talked about that. And that would be something if uh, Rizzo can turn Franco and Edwards into guys who he trades away and get something back for. Not a lot, I understand that, but something back for. Victor Robles uh, on Friday night was an ad starting center fielder, a number nine batter, one for three with a single and a walk. I want to give him credit, especially for the walk. So in that Nats two-run third, Robles, a leadoff nine-pitch walk, despite having been down to the count at one point, one, two. And then a single came, uh, despite him having been down at one point, one, two. The single was a two-out single to left field in a one-run Nats fifth. So a lot to like with the Nats offense on Friday night. Now, we know how this has gone this season, Okay. Friday night, the Nats had 11 runs with 19 hits. Saturday afternoon, the Nats are apt to have, you know, two runs with six hits, okay? Like, that's how it's been with the Nats offense this season. It's up and down. You know, it's like the stock market. You know, one day it's up 400 points, the next day it's down 800 points. I mean, that's very volatile, and you don't know what to expect. But good was what we saw. Very good was what we saw on Friday night. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Juan Soto? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. He works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons. 
just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflicts. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you. And that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call them today at 202 486 3535 or check out his website, zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market, and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. Treat the whole family to a fun night of baseball with the Bethesda Big Train at Shirley Povich Field. Big Train Baseball is the perfect mix of small-town charm and big league talent right here in Bethesda's Cabin John Regional Park. Visit BigTrain.org forward slash tickets to reserve your seats for tonight's game and all other home games throughout July. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I was pretty happy with it. I mean, unfortunately, I gave up the home run. Uh, I mean, the team gave me the lead, I think, three different times, and twice, you know, I gave it up, which I'm not happy about. But, uh, I mean, they put up a ton of runs and was able to keep them somewhat in control. So, a good day. 
Eric Fetty was the Nats starting pitcher in this 11-5 win over the Milwaukee Brewers at Nationals Park on Friday night. And, you know, I think with Fetty on Friday night, it's simple. This was your typical Eric Fetty start. He went in a neighborhood of five innings. He put a lot of guys on base. He didn't get shelled, but he also, you know, didn't silence the opposition. He put you in a position to where if you hit, you could win. And that's what ended up happening in this game. Eric Fetty on Friday night, three runs in five and two-thirds innings. He gave up four hits, a homer, and three singles. He issued three walks and a wild pitch. Did have four strikeouts, uh, but he over his five and two-thirds innings threw 98 pitches. Eric Fetty has not been pitch efficient lately. That trend certainly continued on Friday night. 55 strikes versus 43 balls. That's not a very good strike-to-ball ratio. Fetty in the top of the second gave up two runs, uh, gave up a one-out first pitch, opposite field single to Andrew McCutcheon to right center field. And then Fetty gave up a one-out two-run homer to Jace Peterson on some shot to right field for a 2-1 Brewers lead. That homer went and projected 429 feet for StatCast. Fetty in the top of the fourth allowed another run, although he could have allowed more than just the one run. He gave up a one-out opposite field single to Andrew McCutcheon to right field, then issued a one-out wild pitch, and then gave up a one-out full count RBI sack fly to Jace Peterson to tie the game at three. Now, Fetty had Peterson down at one point, one, two, couldn't put him away. But Peterson smoked this ball to deep center field. I mean, this could have been another home run for Jace Peterson. Thankfully, was not. And Victor Robles on this play made a nice play. Uh, a very nice leaping catch against the center field wall. Fetty sets and fires. Curveball hit in the air to center field and deep. Robles back to the warning track near the wall. He leaps and he caught it. Banging into the fence, a spectacular catch. Robs Peterson of extra bases. Like I said, typical Eric Fetty start. If you have been a Nats fan for like any length of time, you know the deal with Eric Fetty by now. He kind of is what he is. I would say this about Fetty. So, you know, he was doing well for a while this season, as we have discussed. Eric Fetty, at one point this season, had an ERA of 355. His first nine starts this season, he had an ERA of 355. The peak of Eric Fetty this season, May 25th, one nothing win over the Los Angeles Dodgers at Nationals Park. Fetty in that game, six scoreless innings, six strikeouts versus one walk. Now, he then struggled over his next few starts. 13-5 loss at the New York Mets on May 30th, six runs in one in the third innings, 10-8 win at the Cincinnati Reds on June 4th, four runs, four and two-thirds innings. You know, he's better on Friday night. Again, he put guys on base. You know, Eric Fetty now, this season, over 12 starts, has an ERA of 487. He has a whip of uh, 153. Okay, he's putting a lot of guys on base. It's what he does. I mean, that's what he has been. But he is putting you in positions to win. You want to see that ERA come back down. Like I said, it was 355 not long ago. He's had two true blow-up starts this season. With the exceptions of the two blow-up starts, He's actually been pretty good in terms of overall run prevention. Like 12 starts, two really bad starts. The other 10 starts, he's actually been pretty good. I know you can't just wipe out the two blow-up starts, but like if you're really analyzing the season that Eric Fetty is having, it has not been the Nats' biggest problem in the rotation, okay? Guys like Patrick Corbin and Johan Adone have been much bigger problems for the Nats this season in the rotation. Nats bullpen on Friday night. Well, Davey Martinez, for one of the few times this season, only used two relievers in a game. And those two relievers combined to allow two runs, both of which were unearned in three into third innings and totaled six strikeouts over the three into third innings. Uh, Steve Ciszek looked good. This might have been Steve Ciszek's best outing so far 
this season. Uh, you know, he at times has been all right. He at times has been unimpressive, to be honest with you. But C-Shack on Friday night was good. One and a third scoreless innings, three strikeouts. Andres Machado was the other Nats reliever used in this game. Two runs, both of which were unearned in two innings with three strikeouts. He, in the top of the eighth, allowed two runs, uh, both of which were unearned uh, thanks to Michael Franco committing two errors on one play, committed a fielding error and a throwing error on a grounder off the bat of Willie Adamas. Game two for the Nats against the Brewers in Nationals Park on Saturday afternoon at 4.05. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats' starting pitcher. Now to Cade Cavalli. Every Cade Cavalli start for AAA Rochester matters. We have been on Cade Cavalli watch for a while in terms of when might he be summoned to the majors. Uh, Cade Cavalli, is, as you almost certainly know, is the Nats' number one pitching prospect. He is among the top pitching prospects in baseball. Uh, MLB Pipeline in June has had Cade Cavalli ranked as the number 48 prospect in baseball. So, The overall kind of theme with Cade Cavalli this season for Rochester has been as follows. First seven starts, he was not good. First seven starts, he had an ERA of 762. His three most recent starts, much better. Two runs, 19 innings, 20 strikeouts. Well, Cade Cavalli on Friday night did struggle again. Uh, He struggled for the first time in four starts. Uh, This was a 6-4 loss for the AAA Rochester Red Wings at the St. Paul Saints. And Cavalli in this game four runs in five innings. Uh, He gave up six hits, two homers, two doubles, and two singles. He issued four walks. He did record five strikeouts, uh, but he over his five innings threw 94 pitches. So I think what you want with Cade Cavalli is you want just a run of excellence to where you feel like, all right, he's ready, you know? And the problem for Cavalli this season, like I said, is he got off to this bad start. You know, he wasn't good pitching at the AAA level last season, And now he has these three really good starts, and then he has this not-so-great start on Friday night. Now, when it comes to someone like Mike Rizzo looking at someone like Cade Cavalli, it's not as simple as what the stats are, what the final lines are in games. I get that. But I I don't think you have to have like all of the uh, sports science data on Cade Cavalli's pitches on Friday night to recognize he wasn't great. Gave up two home runs, gave up two doubles, issued four walks, you know, threw a bunch of pitches over five innings. So this ends this run of three really good starts. You just would like to see a stretch of like four or five great starts. And then you're like, okay, now he's ready. You know, and and I feel like we might have been on the doorstep of that. Had Cavalli been great on Friday night, you know, maybe Mike Rizzo says to himself, okay, it's just about time here to call this kid up. Maybe Rizzo still feels that way. Okay. Or maybe Rizzo was like, this guy needs another month at AAA. We don't know what the Nats are thinking internally. You know, the Nats have access to information on these minor league outings that you and I do not. But looking at this logically, it would have been nice to keep the recent stretch of greatness going. Cavalli unable to do that. We'll see uh, what he ends up doing in his next outing. But it does feel like we're close to Cavalli being called up. It has felt that way for a while here. But, you know, it's like we're not just there yet. And I think you would like to see more than just three really good starts from Cavalli. You'd like to see a, a sustained stretch of quality pitching to where you feel like, all right, now he's good to go. Because the, the feeling all along has been once you call him up, you want to call him up to stay at the majors. You don't want to do, uh, quite frankly, what was done with Eric Fetty, which is, you know, you're up and down and up and down. That's not good. You know, you want to be called up and stay up and be great moving forward. One other thing, uh, Virginia Tech did lose on Friday. Uh, the number four nationally seeded Virginia Tech baseball team lost the opening game of the 2022 NCAA Blacksburg Super Regional 
in the NCAA Baseball Championship. 5-4 was the final to Oklahoma. Now, this is a best-of-three series, okay? So it's not like the Hokies are done, but uh, the Hokies are going to be facing elimination here uh, over the rest of this series, whether it lasts for another game or another two games. So the series is taking place in Blacksburg. Uh, game two is on Saturday at noon and will air on ESPNU. So go Tech. Uh, you tell us what you think. You can tweet us at Nats underscore chat. You can email us Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast, email Tim Shovers. Again, that address is Podcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please consider giving this podcast a five-star rating if you haven't yet done that. Uh, you can now rate podcasts on Spotify. Uh, the five-star ratings help to make the podcast successful. Uh, also, on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review of the podcast. It can just be like a sentence or two saying that you like the podcast. The reviews help to make the podcast successful, and uh, we thank you very much for doing the ratings and the reviews. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Mark Zuckerman will be back with me on the next installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Until then, I'm Al Galdi. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And we leave you now with something special, a Nats Chat, where are they now, with former Nats closer Matt Caps. Uh, you know, I, I've mentioned over the course of this show, August 2nd MLB trade deadline, you know, what Mike Rizzo might be able to get for, say, a Nelson Cruz, maybe a Josh Bell if he's ends up being on the trade block, you know, maybe someone like Michael Franco, Carl Edwards, you know, there's some other guys to think about as well. Well, the Matt Caps case study is one of the all-time case studies, if you're a Nats fan, in terms of what can happen at an MLB trade deadline. So Matt Caps only pitched for the Nats for less than one season. He pitched for the Nats for part of the 2010 season. He was good. He over 46 innings for the Nats, had an ERA of 274, had 26 saves. Mike Rizzo on July 29th, 2010, with the Nats, you know, a bad team at the time and trying to get good, uh, traded Matt Caps to the Minnesota Twins for a package that included a young catcher named Wilson Ramos. And of course, Wilson Ramos ended up being a key piece for those Nats playoff teams beginning with the 2012 season. So, you know, you never quite know what you can get back in a trade, even for someone who is with you for a brief period of time. So, you know, I think for a lot of Nats fans, the name Matt Caps makes it feel good because it's a reminder of a great trade uh, that Mike Rizzo made now uh, just about 12 years ago. Well, we say hello again right now to Matt Caps. Hey Nats fans, hope everybody is doing fantastically well. This is Matt Caps speaking to you. Uh, just touching base. Life is good. Live here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, do some TV broadcasting, radio work for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and uh, currently sitting at Truist Park in the dugout, uh, sending a message to everybody. I've got a, my wife and I, Jennifer, uh, have two kids now, a 10-year-old little boy named Wells and a 7-year-old little girl named Caroline. They're into baseball and horse riding, and little girl is all into dance and all that fun stuff. So... Life is busy. We're running around like crazy. Uh, still a little bit connected with baseball through the Pirates and and uh, being on the other side of the camera, uh, which is fun and interesting, but I am enjoying my time. But uh, certainly love and, and great fond memories uh, of my time in Washington, D.C. and in the red. And uh, hello to everybody. My best to everybody. Go Nats. And here's Matt Caps. 
who was the closer for the Washington Nationals trying to end this sixth inning. Matt Capps, who last year was with the Pirates, tendered a contract, signed with the Nationals, and here he is, an all-star and a tailing fastball. Gets Ortiz looking. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com